You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is Season 7, Episode 13. This episode is brought to you by Move True, a network of support for dance artists. Join Move True for a free online summit where dance industry experts discuss how to advance further in your craft despite a global pandemic. For more information, see movetruedance.com or follow the link in the show notes of this episode. Ben Chung is a freestyle dancer, choreographer, and one of the co-founders of the Kinja's American Dance Crew in Los Angeles, California. He is a former member of the famous Jabberwockies male dance troupe and is the winner of the first season of America's Best Dance Crew. In this episode, I talk with Ben about his creative process, collaboration, and the art of finding flow. Patrons of the podcast can listen to an additional interview segment with Ben on his experience of the challenges being a professional entertainer during this season of quarantine. If you aren't familiar with the Makers and Mystics Creative Collective, be sure to follow the link in the show notes of this episode for information on how you can join our community of artists and creatives from around the world. We host regular online book clubs, discussions related to art, faith, and culture, and explore ways to liberate the creative spark inside each of us. This is my interview with Ben Chung on the art of finding flow. Ben, thank you so much for joining me on Makers and Mystics today. It's an honor to have you on the show. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me on. Well, tell me how long you've been a choreographer and how long you've been a dancer. It goes back to, I would say, probably 20 plus years now. I'm super dating myself. <laughs> um, yeah, I started in high school, I would say probably 1996, seven um, was when I kind of initially just kind of was interested in dancing as entertainment. I enjoyed watching it. And I kind of started to dabble in it in terms of trying it for myself. No kind of formal training. This was during a generation where MTV actually still played music videos. So my, my <laughs> training, that. yeah, right. <laughs> my training came from, uh, yeah, just watching music videos and then, you know, in the privacy of my own room, trying to mimic and emulate, you know, Michael Jackson moves to MC Hammer and, and yeah, it was kind of just that. And then it wasn't until later in high school where I was introduced to the world of K-pop. And K-pop was, um, I mean, it was fairly new to Korean Americans or even Americans in general. It was before it kind of blew up. But um, I kind of stumbled upon these uh, videos. Essentially, they're just like these dance shows that, or they're just shows where these artists would perform. And their entire performance was like a live dance performance with like singing and all that. And something about that was like really intriguing to me. And so I kind of just started to practice those moves, found one guy at my church who was also kind of secretly doing the same things. And then we found out that we were both kind of into it and we're like, hey, you want to practice together? And then so we would just kind of meet up and teach each other these routines that we would learn off these videos. And then... Um, that's where it really started. And then when I entered college was when I actually, I guess, became a little bit more serious about 
actually training and, and uh, you know, diversifying even the styles of dance that I actually wanted to learn because at the time I didn't even know that there was a difference of styles. It was just, you just move and that's dancing. And then, you know, I found out, you know, from understanding the foundations of hip hop and so many different styles that fall under that umbrella and just kind of wanting to get more versed in foundations. And then um, it just kept going from there and it just naturally evolved into wanting to give it a try professionally and see if I could make it in the commercial dance industry. And so I kind of took the steps to find out how to get an agent and go to auditions. And then, yeah, it's just one of those snowball effect type things. And, um, you know, 20 plus later into the game, I'm still here doing it and going to keep doing it as long as I can. As long as uh, God gives me this body that's able to, I'm going to keep keep pushing. So you really are primarily self-taught, especially in the early years then. Mm-hmm. Yes. And a lot of that came from, like you mentioned, MTV and just watching other people do that and picking up things here and there. How did you take all that you learned from watching and then begin developing that into your own style. Because one thing I know about you is that you have a very unique style and people outside of the freestyle world that aren't as familiar with it, they may be like you were in those early years when you said, I didn't know there were different styles, yeah. you know? Yeah. But then being on the inside of it, it's, it's very nuanced and you've developed a very distinguished and a very distinct style or voice for your choreography. How did you move from... I guess, imitating your heroes to then developing your own voice? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think for myself, and I think this was actually kind of by mistake in terms of what I mean by that is, you know, you can watch something and, you know, this is before there was dance studios where you can learn hip hop styles and stuff in a studio. So a lot of it was more so just kind of taught in your social circles. You know, if you were lucky enough to know the dancers at like, say, your school, and then you would kind of just get together at someone's house or at a park or even at school and you just teach each other moves. And so there's no mirrors. And so, you know, you kind of, the, the way I like to interpret it is kind of like the game of telephone, right? You, mm-hmm. you pass a message and, you know, 40 people down the line, that message that started, you know, that 40th person is probably going to deliver a, a very different message than from what the original message was, right? And it's it's mm-hmm. kind of like you you take something in, you internalize it, and then you kind of mimic it or you regurgitate it in the way that you thought it was said or shown or executed. And because everybody is an individual, you know, everybody has a unique, though we have similar, obviously, anatomy, but the way that we move can be slightly different from the next person. And so I think for myself, I would watch things and then do it how I thought it was done, but I would kind of slightly do it in a way that's not quite correct, I guess. And, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, it could even be like, to be honest with you, like a series of bad habits, you know, you can kind of pick up <laughs> things where you're like, I thought it was done this way, but you know, someone's like, Hey, but you, you do it slightly differently, but that looks actually kind of cool. And I'm like, Oh, I thought I was doing the, the thing. It's the same thing. And so <laughs> I think for myself, I kind of just like to learn and then naturally my body would interpret it in its own way. And that's, I, I actually don't call that a good thing because I think that can be good in terms of, 
like, as you put it, coming up with a unique style or, but I think it's really important, especially if you want to pursue a career in it professionally, when you want to, let's say, book a tour or, or be in a music video where there is a choreographer that is expecting you to do the movement exactly how it was taught. And, you know, there's, there's a cleanliness and a, a synchronicity that they're looking for. So if that's what the job is and you need to be able to have the skills to be able to do the movement exactly how it was taught. And then there's other types of jobs where your unique style is encouraged. Like you said, freestyle, there's a lot of times where your unique style is what they're looking for. So, you know, in times like that, you know, I guess that would do me well. So it was a lot of having to learn the differences of both and then understanding that if I want to train in the way where I am actually be able to pick up the details of a specific choreographer, then I, I would need to go and take those classes and, and really switch my mentality of like, okay, you need to be a carbon copy of this person. And that's the mentality. And then in other times where the, if the teacher, the choreographer is like, this is the structure of the movement, but I, I actually would love to see you inject your own personality into the way that you interpret it. Then that's another type of classroom as well. So it's a lot of it is a, is a mental thing that understanding that you can switch something on and off. And I think that was something that I didn't learn until way later. But yeah, I think the style, as far as like my own unique style, it just came from playing with movement and enjoying freestyle. I mean, just like letting music play, not having any structure and just kind of letting myself go. And then, and then finding movement that felt good for my body. And then when I would make my own choreography, kind of injecting some of that style in there as well, I guess is what kind of gave me my own style, so to speak. I love what you were saying. It's kind of two sides of the coin. One is the importance of being able to execute accurately in certain contexts. But then also there's this freedom to know that our mistakes can actually lead to innovation. Right. I think that's something that crosses the board, not only for choreographers, but musicians and for all different art forms is that I, I don't know if there is a failure in that sense. Sure. You know, when you look at it that way, it's really liberating to think that our mistakes actually lead to innovation. Absolutely. And I'm sure, you know, yeah, as you said, not just in dance or even art, like, you know, just in technology and science and medicine, you know, what have you, I'm sure there were a lot of things that kind of happened by mistake. And then it just kind of, you know, leads you to go down rabbit holes that make you even research further into something. And, you know, yeah, a lot of, a lot of beauty is created not intentionally all the time. Well, I know that one part of your work is collaboration. And I know that you're the co-owner of the entertainment lifestyle brand Kinjas. Yes. And I know that you were also a former member of the Jabberwockies. Yes. Why is collaboration important to you and how has that helped develop you as an artist? Yeah, collaboration is a is an interesting thing. It always looks different, I think case by case. And and especially, I think so in order to collaborate well with somebody or let's say it, it can be with an individual, it, it can be with a brand, you know, like we do a lot of brand collaborations where we'll, you know, let's say Toyota will contact us and they want the Kinjas to put together a video campaign for 
their new safety features on their newest car, which sounds really random. You know, mm -hmm. we're like, you understand we're a dance, a dance crew <laughs> and we're not, we're not an automobile company, but it takes a lot of communication and, you know, talking about what is the vision, um, how, like, what is it about the Kinjas did you find to be appealing? Why did you reach out to us? And so when you kind of like talk a lot of this stuff out, you find the the common ground, you know, it's like, okay, I think I get it. I think we can kind of take that idea and apply it to the way that we may move and the way that we may even present formations, things like that. I mean, there's so many just technical sides of it when it comes to the creation aspect, but I think it it definitely starts with the the communication first and then understanding what both parties maybe envision and then what they ultimately want to maybe you know get out of the project you know and not not all that stuff is even concrete in the beginning it, you just try to find that space where we can start and then from there you know as before we even started recording we were talking about the concept of flow it's you try to get into a space where you hope to find a groove that allows the process to kind of organically just develop for instance a lot of our rehearsals in the initial maybe couple of days there's not very much movement in terms of us actually getting up and dancing. A lot of it is just, you know, whiteboarding and uh, talking, you know, things out, playing around with ideas for music. Because it, essentially, the dancing side of it, the, the actual moving, is kind of the easy part, you know, because that's kind of the, the thing that we do. The harder part is to convey the, the message or kind of hit the mark with like, what is the end goal product that we're trying to create? Like coming up with that is actually the harder part. Mm -hmm. And then the moving is the stuff that kind of happens organically. So yeah, like finding that flow, communicating and aligning on vision is, I would say, the most important ingredient to a successful collaboration. You mentioned flow, and we were talking about that before the show. I'd love to lean into that a little bit because that's something that's always interested me. And I know that flow is a, a term that's used in psychology and in different circles. A lot of people would recognize that as a state of being immersed in a creative project or this place where time disappears and you're functioning at your peak performance. You know, you're totally immersed in what you're doing. And I'm curious if you have any practices in your own life that help you get into that state of flow or help you get into that space where you're creating outside of your mind, if you will, and, and maybe from a deeper place. Yeah, I love how, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, flow is something that makes everything feel easy or like it, you don't, you're not aware of the work, you're not aware of the time that's going by. And I think that happens with intention though. And I think for myself personally, I'm, I'm a very routine oriented type of person. And I do certain things throughout my daily practices that I know are healthy things. And those things aren't always things that I feel like doing. I just know that when I do it, it's going to put me in a state of mind where it's like small rewards and celebrating small wins and things like that. And so for me, it's things like, you know, meditating, praying, reading my Bible, uh, exercising daily. And those are things that I can easily do because I can almost 
mindlessly do those things because they, they almost become these sort of routines. But once I can check those things off of my day, there's the other part of the day where it's unknown, right? Like those things, you know, you can, you can schedule those into your time or into your day, schedule time for those things. And then there's a chunk of the day where like, I actually don't know what else is going to happen today, mm -hmm. but it prepares me for that part of the day. So let's just say I want to go choreograph uh, in a day. And you know, it's not like it's every day that I go to the studio and choreograph. Sometimes there's large periods of time where I don't do that. And so sometimes I psych myself out and then, you know, <laughs> I even ask myself, like, dang, do you even know how to do this anymore? <laughs> you know, because it's been so long. But um, I, I guess when I know that I've prepared myself, like I've done all the other things that I need to do for myself to be in a healthy state of mind where I know that like you've already done really well today. Now go and try this out. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'll get into the studio. And it, for me, it always starts with music. I know some people like to think of like, you know, how they're feeling or what is it that I want to say right now? And there's those types of artists. And I think not everybody's like that. I can get into that space. But for me, a lot of times music will find me, so mm -hmm. to speak. Like if I hear a song that it's not like I was looking for a sound or I was looking for a type of song, but sometimes I just feel like, wow, this is interesting. I feel like I want to move to it. And then it really starts with me just starting to freely move. Like I just start freestyling to it. And then if I find that my body is kind of naturally like connecting with certain parts of the music, whether it's just the beat or whether it's the lyricism, you know, it's always different. And from there, that's where I'm like, okay, cool, found the song. And then now let's start the creative process. And then, you know, I, you know, we'll continue the freestyle side of it. And then I'll try to start structuring some of that. I was like, oh, I kind of like how that felt. And then now let me break it down, put it to counts and try to go from there. And then sometimes it really happens easily where I can knock out a whole piece in one session. And then there's days where I'll spend like two hours on one eight count and it's just not <laughs> happening. And it's those times that I understand that that's a part of the flow process because I think flow can happen in an instant, in a given time frame, like a start to finish. And then I think flow can also happen over an extended period of time. Let's say like the time that I want to give myself to choreograph a piece is like, let's say three days then I can look at the day one to the end of day three as, okay, I need to find flow within this three-day cycle, you know, because creativity doesn't always happen at the same rate that it happened before. Sometimes it happens easier, sometimes it's harder. And so the days where I feel like I'm hitting my wall, I'll accept that as like, okay, I hit my wall today, time to come back to mm -hmm. it tomorrow. And to be okay with that, whereas before, I would let that wall discourage me or... I would let that kind of get into my head and be like, hey, you know, what's going on with you? Like, do you still have it? Mm -hmm. You know, like you have mm -hmm. these like internal battles with yourself. And I think a lot of artists are this way and I'm for sure this way. I'm for sure my, my hardest critic. Mm -hmm. And a lot of things will play into that, you know, like my age and like how fast the dance game is evolving and how I'm like, you know, yesterday's news, you know, like so many things right. that will, will like come into my head all from just like choreographing. And then like, if someone else were to be there, they'd probably be like, bro, it's not that serious. <laughs> you know, it's just, 
it's just dance, you know, but I know like I would be that person to say that to someone else. But when it's to me, I put this high expectation on myself. Yeah. So I think within the past few years, even studying flow and what that is, and then and knowing I've been able to identify when I am in flow, I'm like, oh, okay, so that's what that is. Okay, so this is your process of finding it and moving through it. I love what you said about how you have these daily disciplines. And I think any artist would say that, you know, we can't always determine when and how inspiration shows up, but we can position ourselves to be ready to receive it. And I think discipline supports the flow and yeah. discipline supports spontaneity. And it sounds like that's true in your practice. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I'd be curious to know how your freestyle process is either different or similar from your choreographic process. You know, how does your spontaneity and your improv work together with some of the more thought out sequences that you work with? Yeah, so when it comes to freestyle, I would say true freestyle when it's a piece of music that you're not familiar with, you know, you're just kind of hearing it for the first time, and then allowing your ear, your mind, and your body try to find a connection in the moment. Nothing's premeditated, nothing's rehearsed. And of course, you can only be, I guess, as effective in your movement as to what type of movement vocabulary your body already kind of has. And I think that's why it's very important to train in all sorts of foundational styles. Let's say if I train in breaking to popping to locking to house to tap, whatever it is, it, whatever styles that I've allowed my body to train in terms of learning movement vocabulary, I have an arsenal now of movement vocabulary. So if I feel like I want to go to the floor, because I've been training in breaking, I have breaking fundamentals where I know how to maneuver on the floor to if the song is at a BPM where it's an upbeat piece of music, well, then I have like my housing and, and locking training that I can apply to that. So I think that's why movement training is so important because it gives you tool set to play with. And so outside of the movement dynamics and, and capabilities, I think the dissection of music. So you can two-step to a song, sway side to side, one and two, as long as you're within the rhythm of the music, you're dancing, you know? And obviously, you know, there's, you can take that two-step and then go to the hundredth degree of it and, and then, you know, have amazing freestyle movement. But I think for me, when I hear music, I try to listen for the most obvious things, you know, if it's the the one that the bass hits on to the two where the snare hits, then I'm like, okay, that's very obvious to me. So then I'll just kind of let my body hit the one and the two. And then if I hear like a little nuanced uh, syncopation within the beat, whether it's the drums or there is like a synth synthesizer pattern or, you know, something else that sticks out, I'll kind of add that. So it's kind of like this building process as I go. Mm -hmm. And then the more you practice freestyling and listening to music, you'll pick up on beat sequences where like something will repeat, like a phrase will repeat. And you're like, okay, I know that that double bass is coming again at the and four of the the next a count or something like that and so i guess the fun process of freestyling is especially within what we call ciphers you know we circle up um, it's essentially a circle of energy where someone goes in they do a round and they say what they want to say within the music it's very sort of like conversational you know within mm -hmm. in that space and it's cool to be able to see the process you can normally see 
someone's pickup pattern. And then, you know, I think that's where we get the blow up. So like, oh, shoot, he caught that, you know, that mm-hmm. that bass or that like long drawn out, you know, synthesizer or whatever. And, and it's kind of like seeing somebody be able to catch something in the moment is very it's entertaining, it's impressive, and it's also kind of like, I think that's the fun of it, because then now you want your turn to go out there to say what you want to say and show what you're building on. And so I think for me, it's a combination of studying different types of movement to you know listening to music, understanding how music is structured, and then knowing how to catch the sequences and, and knowing how music is you know kind of structured in phrasing and stuff like that and then mm-hmm. simply just playing around with it and that's the best part is that it's fun mm-hmm. if it's not fun you know then what are you doing right well you mentioned to me earlier your habits of prayer and meditation and i'd be curious to know how your faith practices influence you're finding your flow and how your spiritual practices influence the art that you're making, the choreography that you're doing. Yeah, that actually has become, you know, more of a, I've been more aware of the connection between everything, you know? I've been asked that question a lot as far as like, is it hard to be uh, a Christian in the entertainment industry and things like that? And I guess the short answer is like, sure it is, but you know, it's hard to be Christian anywhere, you know, if you want to think of it like that. And so I think for myself, especially in the past, uh, I would say five or so years and being back in LA, having, I moved back from Las Vegas at the end of 2014. And I actually wasn't sure if dance was going to continue for me as far as it being a professional career, you know, and there was a lot of kind of soul searching that I needed to do having moved back here. And, you know, I think God had given me a lot of opportunities to step into spaces within dance that not everybody gets to, you know, and I've I've looked at my personal journey and I've asked myself, I'm like, God, like, how did I even get there? It's not like I'm the best dancer in the room or, you know, I'm like, I just feel like I somehow lucked out or I snuck in through the back door, you know, (laughs) like I kind of have that sort of feeling and um you know i think it was through yeah just a lot of really asking god and and um you know the holy spirit working to show me that dance isn't mine essentially nothing is mine that i have and if it's not mine then it has to be someone else's and and i think god was really showing me that like he put me in those places because he wanted to use me in those spaces and so after realizing that it's not like I, ca- I have this like okay well i don't want to do it anymore it's like okay god then <laughs> do you still want me to do this and if so then i need a, a clear you know reason as to why I keep going because i've already kind of i don't know if you want to call it achievement in terms of like you've, you've already done all the things that you can kind of really reach for like what more else is there to do but i think i was looking at it as more so influence and platform because i think god started to reveal to me you know when i started to ask you know like lord like what's my purpose you know what am i even here for you know and i've mm-hmm. i've had those kind of like tough conversations you know with myself and you know i think ultimately what god revealed to me is that my superpower isn't dance i think the superpower that god has really given me is actually the ability to connect with people and connect with people in a way where it's genuine, 
people for some reason like always tell me like dude for some reason like everybody just loves you like whenever you know like you know your your name is brought up everyone's like oh yeah i know ben i love ben da, 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 da. and i'm like huh like that's interesting you know i've never identified myself as someone who's just like everybody loves me but you know <laughs> i wanted to kind of even take that to god i'm like lord what is that you know if i have this ability to connect with people maybe dance is my way of connecting maybe that's what's going to get me into the room to have a conversation or if someone's going to i don't know follow me because of my dance and my affiliations through it great but that's not where it ends like that's the starting point i think what i am hoping to do is find a way to connect deeper after you are whatever interested in me because of what i do so mm -hmm. i think now yeah i think you know with my faith even like let's say when i create this may sound weird, but um, every time before I even start choreographing, I always pray and I invite God into the process. Like, and I, I straight up talk with him. I'm like, Lord, I think I'm going to give a crack at this uh, creating again. Like, you know, join me in the process. Help me to have fun. Help me to find flow. I mean, if, if not, if it doesn't work out today, help me to get back at it tomorrow. But you've given me an able body that's able to do things that so many people can't do and um, I'm thankful for it and I definitely yeah like God is absolutely a part of my creation process and um, yeah like integrated for sure into the fabric of my career still now as a dancer. Ben thank you so much for joining me on Makers and Mystics this has been an incredible conversation thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I've had a, a great time. Thank you so much for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. Music for this episode is provided with permission by Layered Music. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Makers and Mystics and leave us a kind review on iTunes. We'll see you again next week. And until then, keep creating. The world needs your art.